Hi, this is Miss Tyler, and welcome back to this week's episode of Context for Kids, where I teach you a bunch of cool stuff that most adults don't even know. So today's episode is called It Was Good, Making the Universe Just Perfect for Us, because in the beginning, that's exactly what God did. He made the perfect world for humans to live in, with everything we could possibly need, and to talk about that, we also need to talk about why this was written and what God was telling us about himself because the Bible is God's story. The story of God showing us who he is and how he is different from all the false gods who people worship because they just didn't know any better. The Bible also shows us how different God is from us, thank goodness, and how trustworthy and wonderful he is beyond anything we can possibly imagine. Now, before we start today, I want to explain something very important. Did you know that people who are smart and who are believers and love God can disagree about things? That's right. You and your parents can hear me teach something and disagree with me, and we can still love each other. I want you to grow up to be the kinds of believers who are loving and gracious and humble. It's important that when you disagree with someone that you don't assume that they're stupid or no less than you do. You know, I read a lot of books about the Bible written by some wonderful people. And when they are also believers, I call them my brothers and sisters. I don't always agree with them when what they think, but I love them and I respect them. And I'm happy that they love God enough to write books about him and to try and teach others. Nobody's ever been entirely right about their thoughts and opinions about God, except for the one who was with him at the beginning. And that's Jesus. Not even Moses or Abraham or any of the prophets. They're all just humans. But Jesus, God's powerful word made into a human, knows everything about God. So everyone else is going to be at least a little wrong about things. And that's okay. Even when someone's wrong and on a lot of things, we won't just know for sure until we see God face to face after we die. You know, even if they're when they're wrong, they're still loved by God. And so we can love them, too just like we want to be loved and when we're wrong and, and we're wrong about a lot of things. So if you or your parents disagree with me, just think about that. You can still love me and listen to me because even if I'm wrong about something, I won't be wrong about everything and we can all learn together. All right. So in Genesis chapter 1, there is this phrase that keeps getting repeated over and over and over again. And God saw it was good. It even says it was very good once. On the first day, after he made light appear on the earth and made the very first day, God said it was good. On the second day, he didn't actually say anything was good. I'm not exactly sure why. On the third day, he made up for it by saying it was good twice when he made the land appear and when he made the plant sprout up. On the fourth day, when he made the sun, moon, and stars, he said it was good. 
Then on the fifth day, he created the sea creatures and birds and said it was good. On the sixth day, he made all the land animals and said it was good. And then he made people and said that it was very good. But what does it mean that it was good? That's what we're going to talk about today. Hold on to your hats or your socks or whatever you're wearing that's handy. Now, when Moses wrote the Torah, which is the first five books in the Bible, which is, say it along with me, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, very few people were worshiping our God. In fact, sometime between the death of Noah and when God called Abraham, knowledge of God had been all but lost. Abraham's own father, Terah, was an idol worshiper. We know this because it tells us this in Joshua 24, 2. Possibly Abraham was an idol worshiper too, but we don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. There are some legends out there claiming that one thing or another, you know, is, is true, but the Bible doesn't tell us for sure. What we do know is that when Abraham is called by God to leave his people and follow God, he didn't show up there and find a synagogue or a church waiting for him. You know, everyone around him was worshiping false gods instead. You know, the Canaanites, the Egyptians, the Hittites, the Sumerians, the Babylonians, etc. You know, but where did all these false gods come from when there's only one God who created the entire universe? Why did these people all believe in all these gods? Why didn't they believe in our God anymore? Well, we don't know the answer to the last question for sure because the Bible doesn't say. We have theories, but we don't know for sure. You know, some people say it's because of Nimrod. But the Bible doesn't say that. And we don't know anything about Nimrod from history either. All we have are legends written thousands of years later. Most of them were actually written within the past 200 years. You see, when the Bible doesn't say much about someone, people like to make up stories to fill in the blanks. And that's okay, as long as we remember what's actually written in the Bible and only accept that as the truth. So, we don't actually know why people forgot about God. It is sad, though. Now, in the ancient world, people were curious, just the same as we are. In fact, I want you to close your eyes and imagine something for me. I want you to think about the sun and the rain. Imagine the sun going across the sky over the course of the day. I want you to think about rain falling and landing on you and the ground. Now imagine that you don't know that the sun is a star 93 million miles away. Imagine that you don't know about the water cycle, how water evaporates from the lakes and oceans and ends up in the atmosphere, gathering in clouds and then raining down on us. You and I only know these things because someone else figured it out. If you didn't know those things, well, what might you think? 
How does the sun get from the east and cross over the sky and then dip below the horizon in the west? And how does it happen every single day? Where does the rainwater come from and, and why isn't it falling all the time? Well, in the ancient world, they had an explanation for that. They had gods who did all those things. The Egyptians had Ra or, or Re, depending on, on what time. The Canaans had Shapash. The Assyrians had Utu. And the Babylonians worshipped Shamash. Well, the Egyptians, for example, thought that Ra was rowing his sunboat across the sky every day. At night, he would have to row through the underworld that's underneath the earth. And he would fight the giant serpent Apophis. If he didn't win the fight, the sun wouldn't come up the next morning. Which had to be very stressful for the Egyptians to think about. it. And you thought school was stressful. Now, each culture had different stories about the gods, and they believed that their gods were different from other gods. The Babylonians, for example, didn't think that Ra and Shamash were the same god. They believed that Ra only moved the sun for the Egyptians and that Shamash was responsible for the sun over Babylon. We'll talk more about regional gods in the future. And that's just what we call gods who only have authority over a small area, like a country. Like, Baal could only make it rain in Canaan. Dagon only made the crops grow in his own region. Some other god was responsible for doing that for the Egyptians, and don't ask me which one. I, I can't remember. I, I haven't actually studied that one, I don't think. There are just too many gods responsible for too many things in too many cultures. It was madness. And these gods, they couldn't create anything. In fact, they were created. The gods of the nations weren't like our god, who created everything and wasn't created by anyone. The gods often had parents, just like us. They had mommies and daddies, and they also had children of their own. You see, the gods of the nations, who aren't real, obviously, were a lot like us. They couldn't create anything, and they could only do their one job. They were really rather incompetent, as far as gods goes. And incompetent means that you're not good at your job. <laughs> we would expect them to be a lot more powerful than people thought they were, but they were just like us, only more powerful. They weren't even immortal, which means living forever because they could be killed. Sometimes they did get killed. Now imagine if one day, out of the blue, our god just up and died. Now, the universe would probably just disappear. Now, fortunately, that can't happen because he isn't like us. Thank goodness, right? Now, I'm going to give you an example of one of their mythologies. Now, mythology is an important word that doesn't mean what a lot of people think it means. A mythology is a story that describes how things came to be the way they are when there's no historical evidence of what really happened. Mythology was the ancient way of explaining why things are the way they are. The sun god rowing his boat across the sky 
to explain why the sun moves is a mythology. Oh, 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 cool fact about that. Have you ever seen an obelisk? From archaeology, we know that Egyptians built these as sun needles where Ra could rest at noontime. He took a little siesta. That's what it looked like from the ground, like a boat was parked there taking a breather. That's what they thought. When I post the transcript, I will include a link. Um, actually, when the Greeks first saw the sun needles, they thought they looked like meat skewers and named the sun needles obeliskoi. I probably pronounced that wrong because that's what they called their meat skewers. <laughs> um, so maybe Ra was up there enjoying a shish kebab for a lunchtime break, okay? But in the creation mythologies, and that means the ancient stories about how the world came to be in different cultures, their gods didn't create the earth like our god did. In fact, in the Mesopotamian mythology Enuma Elish, um, excuse me, which archaeologists found less than 200 years ago, and, and this is super gross, okay? And gross is cool because you will never forget this. Anyway, there was a war between the gods, Marduk and Tiamat. She was a, a giant sea monster goddess. When Tiamat died, Marduk split her body into two pieces and half became the earth and the other half was sp suspended over it. And the rain was the water leaking through her dead skin. I mean, ew, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't think they gave much thought to this. Could you imagine the stinkiness factor? Would you want to drink the water who came that came through her dead body? I mean, okay, super gross, but super cool, okay? Oh, and I have to tell you how they said people came to be created. So Marduk punished all the junior gods who had sided against him in the battle by making them do all the work and grow foods for, food for the gods to eat. But... You know, the junior gods got tired of working and they were whining. So Marduk took the blood of another god named Kingu and made people out of that. <laughs> they were created to be slaves and their only purpose in life was to make sure that these gods were taken care of. And this is very important because when Moses wrote Genesis 1, he knew all this. He grew up in Egypt. So he knew all their gods, and he was educated in the palace of Pharaoh, so I bet he knew about all the gods of other countries as well, and their creation mythologies. When God inspired Roses, Moses to write the story of the making of the universe, Moses would have known how different God was saying that he was from all the other made-up gods on earth. And when Moses read the account to the Israelites who had grown up in Egypt as slaves, and all of the mixed multitude of former pagans who also came with them, they would have been amazed. Genesis 1 tells us amazing things that weren't true about any other gods. First, it said that no one created God. He didn't have parents. He didn't create the earth by killing anyone else, and in fact, we don't see anything about any war at all. God made light appear. Why? So he could see? No. He created light for someone else. <sighs> so they could have days and nights and so that the, so that time could begin. God made a place for weather to happen between heaven and earth. Why? 
Who needs rain? Not him. God made the dry land appear and made the plants grow. Why? So he could eat a salad? No. God made the sun, moon, and stars. Why did he need them? Did he need them? What on earth could he need them for? Was he cold? Then God made the birds and fish. Is he hungry? Not hardly. On the sixth day, he made animals of all sorts. Did he need a pet? Or did he need to travel a long distance on a camel of horse? I don't think so. Why did God create all these things and call them good? He doesn't need any of those things. The Bible says that God is spirit without form. John 4.24 says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Well, someone without form doesn't need things like light and food and land to stand on or transportation. So who do you think God created all these things for? Was it because he wanted the world's largest and most beautiful zoo to look at? Certainly, where he lives with the angels must be very beautiful. I bet it is more amazing than we can imagine. So why does he need the earth and air and fish and birds and plant and light and darkness and animals? He doesn't. He didn't create them for himself. He created them because we need them. In fact, he created them before he ever created humans. You see, when God made light appear and separated the light from the darkness and said it was good, what he was really saying was, job well done. This works exactly the way it needs to. It's perfect to do exactly what I designed it to do, for nights and for days. Because someone is going to be created who needs the light to see during the days and to sleep at night. I am going to create something that can't exist unless there is time for them to live and grow in. Right? When God made dry land appear, he said it was good because someone was going to need a place to stand. Unless they plan to tread water for a long time. And when God made plants grow and fruit trees spring up, he also said it was good. Someone was going to need lettuce and carrots and bananas and apples. It was good because he looked at it and saw that it was absolutely ready for someone special. He'd done a very good job, a complete job of provi providing food, but for who? Then God made the sun, moon, and stars. Did he need the warmth of the sun to be comfortable? Did he need the moon so that he wouldn't be stumbling around at night? No way. Someone else needed those things. The Bible said they were needed for days and years and for seasons. The Hebrew word for seasons is moedim, a word that means meeting or gathering. Well, that's strange. There isn't anyone to meet with anyone else. Only God and his word, which we talked about last week, and his angels, right? As Alice in Wonderland would say, curiouser and curiouser. And once more, he said it was good. Another step in the creation process was just right. But next, God created flying insects, fish, and birds. He even pronounced the first blessing in scripture on them. So the birds and fish and insects are blessed by being able to have babies and fill the air and skies. But what could God possibly need those for? And again, he called it good. Good for what? Is he really planning on going fishing or bird washing? 
Now, on the sixth day, God created all sorts of animals. He created livestock like cows, sheep, and goats, and, and wild animals like cats and dogs and pigs and camels, and creeping things like lizards and land insects. And he said it was good. Everything was exactly how it should be. In fact, everything was perfect and ready for God's final creation. And this was a creation that God would call very good. After his next creation, God would stop creating and rest and take his place as king over all creation. God created people. He created them in ways, in some ways, totally unlike himself. God is spirit, and we call God him, but God isn't a him like the pagan gods were all a bunch of hymns and hers. Calling God it would be rude and impossible in Hebrew anyway. God created people like he created the animals, with males and females, so there could be babies and they could fill the whole earth with more people. But the Bible doesn't say that God blessed the animals like he blessed the birds and the fish. I actually don't know why. <laughs> God blessed us instead. He blessed us to be able to have babies, and, and not only that. He blessed us to fill the earth and gain control over it. He blessed us to rule over the animals and birds and fish and everything that lives on the earth. Here's what it says in, in the Bible. And God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. You know, to people who lived in a world where they believed that everything was run by gods and goddesses, and who believed that they were totally at the mercy of wild animals, and that they couldn't control anything or do anything to change their lives, this was amazing news. Not only weren't they menial slaves expected to grow food for the gods, but they had a loving God who made food for them instead. They didn't have gods who cruelly and selfishly ruled over them with an iron fist. They were created to be rulers over the earth to change it according to their needs instead of their gods' needs, and to use the animals as they needed to. Instead of being created just to be lowly slaves, they were created with dignity. They could be proud to be humans because they were made in God's image, both of them, male and female. And we'll talk more about being made in God's image in two weeks. They were both blessed and both given the job of filling the earth and using it for whatever they needed and ruling over the animals. The only thing that God didn't tell people was to rule over one another. That's God's job. And God said the creation was now very good. Everything was perfect and just the way it needed to be. God was done creating. And that's an amazing story about an amazing God who wasn't like any of the other gods whom people had made up. That's why you could trust God, because he didn't make us to be menial slaves, laboring away just to feed him. The Psalms say we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and not just us, but the world is also wonderfully made just for us. It's perfect for us, in fact. It's good. But then, you know, God had also created something else in secret. 
something that he will hint about in Genesis 3.15 and in a great many places in the Bible, and especially in the books of the prophets. We talked last week about the Word of God and how that Word became Jesus. John told us that Jesus was with God as his powerful Word in the beginning when God spoke and everything came into being. And that powerful Word was Jesus. When we look at the creation story and we see everything created for us, we need to remember that the Word was also created for us. Most people call him Jesus here in the United States, but all over the world, people have different names for him, depending on the sounds that they have in their languages. That Jesus was with God in the beginning as his word means that God knew we would all get into trouble and need to be saved someday. Isn't that wonderful? Anyway, I uh, love you guys. And I am praying for you, and I hope you have a wonderful time this week studying scripture with the people who love you.